This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Broadcasting from the still quarantine ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 566 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast, or as we're calling it, the Farewell to New Comic Book Day episode. Nerds, my name is Matt Baum. Oh, I thought that this was the final episode of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Oh, we'll get into that in a little bit, don't worry. Okay. (laughs) I am the internet's Joe Patrick. This week, we're pointing the THN Review Spotlight at yet another new X title, perhaps the last X title. Hellions. Could be. (laughs) This Uh, is the only thing that could stop it at at this point. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and I guess there's two X titles. The return of XO Manowar. Not technically an X title, but it does start with X. Yeah, right. Then it's time for comics and cocktails while we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the ludicrous speed round. After that, it's up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll tell you all about what we're reading next week. And yes, we are reading something next week. And finally! God damn it, I thought I was done! Since we've been quarantined and there's nothing else to do but catch up on reading, get ready for a comic binge, Dr. Doom style, where we catch up on the latest Doom series from Marvel. But before we lament the Christmas day that is every Wednesday, how about we get into some editorial madness while we discuss this week's Nerd News. Nerd News. From the end of the world as we know it, Dusk. Yes, (laughs) and I don't feel fine. Following reports that Diamond Comics distributors' warehouses will cease receiving new products from printers for distribution starting in April, Diamond founder Steve Geppi has issued an official statement confirming and explaining the decision and outlining the current time frame for the company's change in operation. The statement boils down to this. After today, Wednesday, March 25th, there will be no new comics shipped to retailers for the foreseeable future. This, of course, is in response to growing concerns due to the worldwide coronavirus pandemic. Publishers have responded in a number of ways, none of them from a position of unity and, and, and strength. Not really, no. We've got, uh, we've got some of them greatly reducing plans for upcoming releases or offering some form of returnability to retailers. We've also seeing we're also seeing them offering reader incentives for supporting comic shops like Vault Comics and their plan to give readers free digital advanced copies of upcoming new books in exchange for buying gift cards from your local comic shop. Very cool. That was just announced today. Very cool. Valiant has instructed quote unquote several of their freelancers to suspend work indefinitely. That means stop drawing idiots. Yeah, pencils down was the official word. The newly launched AWA announced plans to serialize their titles on digital platforms like Webtoon and Tapas. This is obviously hitting the direct market community hard, with many shops already closing or planning to. My friend Randy from Rogues Gallery Comics in Texas, they had to shut their doors. They're not even doing curbside. Ugh. However... Diamond's Olive Branch Warehouse, 
will remain open to process reorders for stores that are able to remain open for mail order, curbside service, or in the case of Omaha's Legend Comics and Coffee, drive through Will publishers continue to offer new releases digitally as usual? That's the big question. If so, that will almost certainly deal an even bigger blow to local comic shops. Will new comics stop completely? Some people are calling for that to happen. But as Phil Hester said on Twitter this week, comics may stop being released, but it doesn't mean creators are going to stop creating. No, not at all. Absolutely not. As of this recording, Marvel and DC have been largely silent on the subject, and no one knows what the industry will look like even in a few days, let alone a few weeks or even months. Yeah, the main thing to take into account here is this is happening fast, very fast. And I can't blame Diamond for shutting down new comics for now. They can't put people in danger. Look, as much as I love comics, we can't say that this is a business that has to keep going, has to stay open. It's it's not a grocery store. It's you like know? the and I'm debate not- raging right now where it's like the friggin' GOP is arguing arguing for like they're talking about reopening restrictions the, the and stuff, country yeah. or whatever. Right. Yeah. And everybody else with a brain is saying the free market is not worth human lives. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like grandparents are grandparents, right? I mean, they're going to go sooner or later. I mean, come <laughs> on, you know, like it's the same with comic retailers. I mean, like they're going to kick off someday. I got to get my comics, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I saw a tweet. Uh, I saw a tweet about uh, how Donald Trump must uh he's talking about opening the country up by easter it's great that he follows uh christian religions he gave up your grandparents for lent (laughs) (laughs) The, the the major thing here is we we talked the other well it would have been last week about movies that were pushed back and weren't being released in theaters. And we made the argument, well, why not release them digitally? And you get into the whole, well, the theaters miss out on that money. And it's the same story with comics, but I would argue even more so. If they just continue to put this stuff out digitally and we get all these new comics digitally, what happens a month later or two months later or three months later when we're able to open comic shops again? Do you get a giant bill where all this shit that you order just shows up? Do customers even want it if they've read it digitally already? Like, right. there's so much to take into account here. And it's not just going to a movie theater and buying a ticket and sitting and watching something. This is something you own, you know, you and, read. I, and, I, and I think the difference between the movie theater argument and the comic shop argument is that when this blows over and movie theaters reopen, it's not like they're going to be like, Welcome to opening night of The Hunt. Right. Which came out already. <laughs> exactly. It, it's like, come yeah, see I, the Bloodshot premiere. No, it's like they're just going to move on to the next thing. But yeah, another thing to consider is that some shops, they don't get a bill that they can pay at their convenience. They're on right. COD. Yeah. You know, like, it's like what, do they, what do they do if their comics are sitting in a warehouse and they can't pick them up? Like your buddy who had to close his doors. He can't do curbside service. So getting more diamond bills in the meantime, that's not going to be any good and could kill that comic book store forever. Right, right. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, I saw one retailer making a case for selling digital comics, but having them come with a voucher for a print version when the print version is released. So it's you're like it, that. That would be for collectors that want to that want to maintain their collections, right? They can get their fix, and then just go get their comic. It will be like they've paid for it. 
But who do, how does who does that money go to? Right. The owner of Four Color Fantasies, who is an Eisner-nominated shop, put out a really good video the other day, and I'll play some audio of it here. We are going to stay open as long as we can. As long as we can is defined by, as long as I have enough money to pay Eric and Steve their payroll, we will stay open. On the day that we do not have the money to pay payroll anymore, or that I don't feel that I'll be able to make it safely, we will be closed. Now don't worry, this is temporary. We're closed until such time as we start getting comics again. When Diamond reopens, when Alliance reopens, we will be back. We've been here for 32 years. We have survived all sorts of stuff. We've survived the distributor wars that left Diamond's the only one. We survived Marvel's bankruptcy. We survived the black and white boom and bust. We survived 9-11. We're surviving this. If we close, we will be back and we will be here for you. Thank you. That is the response that we would hope for in this situation. This is terrible. This is fucked up, but it's happening to everyone. It's happening to restaurants. It's happening to my buddy that worked at a tattoo shop. It's happening to my friends that work in salons and shit. You know, it, we're not the only industry that's being interrupted. The industry is going to survive. It's going to be hard. But I think Diamond Comics did the right thing, and I think not heaping new bills on the comic shops is what's most important right now. What happens afterwards, we'll have to figure that out as it comes. And it's changing so fast that there's no way Yeah. To uh, my friend Menachem, who owns Escape Pod Comics in New York, uh, he made a very excellent point when he said that the direct market is not the only market. Yeah. And he's been a big proponent for as long as I've known him uh, for diversifying his revenue sources, as in, like, do not buy things from Diamond that if you can get them from, like, directly from first, second. Sure. Or sure. Simon & Schuster or whatever, or, or a smaller distributor. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's more work, but, you know. Right. There's and definitely a payoff there, too. Comics will survive... Whether or not the direct market, as we understand it, survives is another question. Stay tuned, true believers. Yeah, we have a giant cyclopean monopoly that runs the direct market as we know it, and maybe that shouldn't survive. Yeah, yeah right. I'm just exactly. Posit that you know. Yeah. From the it's not all doom and gloom desk, offering a bit of a silver lining among. The gloom and the aforementioned gloom and doom. DC launched DC Kids Camp today, a new program to help parents engage kids at home. Parents can follow DC Kids social channels on Twitter and Instagram to download kid-friendly superhero-themed activities and previews of past and upcoming DC middle grade graphic novels to enjoy at home. Middle grade, meaning like kitty stuff? Junior high. Junior high. Okay. The DC Kids social channels will also feature entertaining videos from all-star authors and artists for parents and kids to watch together. This is fantastic. My neighbors, I don't have kids. I got rid of mine. They just weren't worth it, and I made yeah. a bunch of money selling them, and I'm glad I did it when I did before they grew up and people saw how short they were going to be. But my neighbors have <laughs> kids, and they are going insane right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I kids bet. kids trapped in the house. And Stuff like this is a godsend. 
absolute godsend to your little nerdy kids. With Kids Camp, they will do everything from learn how to draw their favorite DC superheroes, they're going to gain inspiration and skills to make their own comics and unlock their creativity with fun, off-the-wall how-to videos like draw-alongs with Agnes Garbowska, who draws DC superhero girls, origami tutorials with Jean Wing Yang. I mean, this is so cool. and That's I, pretty I, awesome. I'm so proud of DC for doing this stuff, and this is the kind of stuff that they can do, okay? We're all trapped inside. We've all got computers. We've all got phones. Grab your creators and get them on your site doing stuff. Marvel needs to take a note from this, and they need to start doing something immediately to stay in people's minds during this stuff. There's also going to be a daily video newsletter, I guess. It'll it'll be interactive videos that they launch on their uh, DC Comics Kids Twitter and DC Kids Instagram uh, with... Interactive videos with DC authors and artists. And the first one was how to make a Green Lantern ring with Min Lei, who wrote uh, the Green Lantern Legacy uh, young adult graphic novel. I might just start watching this stuff. Hell I'm yeah, that sounds this is so cool. <laughs> this uh, is so cool. It's Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific. So that's noon for you uh, Midwesterners, 1 p.m. for you uh, East Coasters. I don't even know what you're talking about. Time zones, man. But yeah, I think this is totally great. Like, I know it's not the news that people like us and creators and retailers were looking for from DC, but this is a whole separate thing than what's going on with the industry. This is like DC right. stepping up and saying, look, you guys are stuck at home. Let us help. Right. And it's great. And everybody should take a note out of this. Valiant, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, all you guys. Take a note of this. Get your creators out there. Get them on your site. Get them doing anything, anything to keep fans excited. And, and like this is great for kids, but I'm saying you could do this for all ages, all ages. Just get people out there right now because this is what we need so we don't kill ourselves or each other in the meantime. <laughs> okay. I, can't, I can't wait for images how to start a successful small business like The Pro by Garth Ennis. <laughs> That is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while apologizing for predicting the end of weekly comics last week on the show. We may have done this, Joe. Turns out (laughs) it wasn't a prediction. It could be our fault. I don't even know. So hit us up in the DHN forums, big news section, or any of our social media outlets and talk to us about these stories or anything you think we missed. Next week, there's not going to be a lot of comic news. Obviously, I'm talking. I'm thinking about kicking around something like hot takes, where Joe and Matt each show up with a hot take, and we just fight with each other. Uh, Let me know what you guys think. A about hot take it. about what? <laughs> Anything. Like, give me an example. Anything comic related. Like, for instance, hot take. I have to think of one real quick. <laughs> uh, you should have planned this out better. Yeah, no, like I came up with the idea shortly before we started recording. Instead of our news, like hot like, take, Harley Quinn sucks. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then we and we discuss, you know, or whatever. We go at it or like, hot take. So-and-so cannot support, you know, like Spider-Woman cannot support a monthly book. I love her. Can't do it. Been proven plenty of times, you know. And we go back and forth and discuss it. Let me know what you guys think. And better yet, hit us up with your hot takes. Oh, and so we can fight with you, too. Yeah. Shoot them to us. Tootanerd at gmail.com. Tweet at us. Oh, drop them even Facebook. better. Record a recording of your hot take. Call in your hot take, 402-819-4894. 
Give us your hot take so we can fight with you. Matt and I are going to put our heads together a little bit more often in the coming weeks, and we'll talk about it at the end of the show. Obviously, the format and the content of the main show is going to change by necessity, and we're going to try our very best to keep coming at you with content that you like, that you can participate in, and hopefully still have fun, even though the world is on fire all around us in every direction. See, now, even though things are wonky right now, we are cursed, and we have to maintain our job, I, or we get drugged I, to hell. I, like, I, and don't get me wrong. I tried to end it on an, I tried bad. to end it on an up note, and I just <laughs> took it right back down. I can't help it. It's spotlight review time in the Ziggurat, and this week we both shed a little tear for the last of the new comics we'll be seeing for a while. But Matt took it way harder than I did. I'm a cutter. You know, why don't you clean yourself yeah. up, buddy, and you can go first this week. <laughs> My review for this week, it's Exo Manowar, number one from Valiant. It's written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Emilio Liso. It is 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Win the battle! Lose the world! Arak of Dacia, a 5th century warrior catapulted into the modern day, has been bonded with the sentient alien armor, Shanahara. Together, they are the most powerful weapon in the world, Exo Manowar. As a mysterious new villain arises to threaten the world, will this ancient warrior evolve into the superhero we need today? My first experience with Dennis Hopeless Hallam was back in in the pages. It's in quotes like Stephen, (laughs) quote, little Stephen Van Zant. Is he like a boxer? Like, you know, like No, it was like a pen name, but now he's getting away from his pen name because he's not hopeless anymore. All right, all right. My first experience with Dennis Hopeless Hallam was back in the pages of the 2013 Avengers Arena series, and I instantly fell in love. Now, if you've never read Arena, I'll bet your local comic shop has a copy of the trade paperbacks, and they could really use your business at the moment. Hopeless loves to punish his characters, but never in a sadistic way. From the kid Avengers he ran through the ringer to his amazing run on Spider-Woman that saw the character as a new mother, Hopeless has always made his characters better through his writing. Also, I have no idea if Hopeless is a nickname or not, but that is how I will be referring to him yes, for the it's duration a of this nickname. <laughs> it's a nickname. We've been over this. <laughs> Regardless, that's what I'm calling him. Deal with it. I can't speak to Lyso as he's a new name to me. I will say that when an artist like Ivan Rice is a comics cover artist, the interior has a lot to live up to. Luckily, Lyso appears to be more than up to that challenge. Oh, did Ivan Rice do the this, cover? Mm-hmm. We did one of them, yeah. but he did the main cover. The story picks up in fairly well-tread territory, with Eric tearing an alien from its spacecraft before it launches an evil plan on the unknowing populace of Earth, but Hopeless instantly takes the plot in a new direction. Instead of New York cheering for Eric as they might Superman, the public is complaining about him dropping an alien spacecraft into traffic. Now, up until this issue, XO has been a fish-out-of-water story for sure, but Hopeless seems to be examining how a 5th century visit was it 4th or 5th how a 5th century visigoth would fit into modern society in simpler but not less important ways we see ara confused talking to a suit as to why new yorkers would be so mad about waiting in traffic rather than celebrating his victory Arik even makes some new friends while trying to fit in which leads to a scene that is ripped straight from the headlines 
he is basically living as a hobo because where Ara came from, he was used to sleeping under the stars and hunting wild animals because he has a suit that can fly him anywhere very quickly. So why pay for food <laughs> when you can hunt for a meal? It's Shanahara, the voice of the suit, that is gently trying to push Arik to change and to fit into society. And it leads some very believable and more down-to-earth consequences than we've seen in the pages of XO up until now. On the art side, Lyso and colorist Ruth Redman just light this story up with cosmic barbarian action. But they also don't miss a beat when bringing the story back down to the streets of New York. Lyso's style reminds me of Steve McNiven's line work with more of the cartooning style of, of Gabriel Rodriguez of Lock and Key fame. Hopeless is a new voice at Valiant and brings with him a new, more human arc of Dacia that this character definitely needed. I loved all the runs of the current EXO title, but this new story looks to add some badly needed humanity to Arik's character, and I'm excited to see what a creator like Dennis Hopeless does at Valiant, and his art team is top-notch. I am giving this a buy it. Yeah, I agree. I thought this was really good-looking. Uh, I, I, I'm not familiar with the artist either, but I thought it was gorgeous. I loved the fact that while, yes, this is clearly a guy that doesn't really understand how the world works, he's still been living here a while. And so he's not like stunned and confused by your modern moving chariots. Like he knows no, what a car is. He's more just like, I'm doing my thing. Right. He's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? I don't get it. Like he, under right. he understands that he's playing a game with those kids. He just doesn't know how it's played. Right. So it's not like unfrozen caveman lawyer where it's like, I'm in my BMW and your stoplights. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm just a caveman. No, it's he's he's familiar enough with the world while still not completely acclim acclimated to it. Right. Still a fish out of water. Definitely. And the and the whole thing with him, like being a hobo and s sleeping in the grass wherever and then like. Killing that giant deer and then giving half of it to those homeless people. I was like, yeah. This, yeah, he's like, well, great. I'm full. Because, I mean, that's what you would do back in the day. You went, The hunters went out and they, and they killed a huge animal and they shared it with everybody. It's <laughs> not like you can kill half a deer. Right, exactly, you know. Yeah, I really liked this. I think Dennis, uh, Dennis Hopeless has a great voice uh, and uh, a real knack for dialogue. I liked this quite a bit. I'm going to try my best to keep up with it. I'm I'm very bad at doing that with Valiant, but I'm giving this a you buy. You are. You're really bad at keeping up with Valiant. It's true. Joe Patrick, tell us about the bad boys of Krakoa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bad um, boys and girls, bud. Yeah, oh, yes. This week I'm reviewing Hellions, number one from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, with art by Steven Segovia. It's 32 pages for $4.99, because it's special. Yes. Here's your solicit. I'm glad you finally accepted yep, that. Yep, <laughs> I've drank the Kool-Aid. Bad is the new good! When Krakoa opened their doors to all mutants and forgave all past crimes, they might have known they'd have to accept some of their worst foes into the fold. But they didn't plan for what to do with them. Not to worry, though. Mr. Sinister knows what to do with the troublemakers. Meet his new Hellions. Scalp Hunter, Wild Child, Empath, Nanny, Orphan Maker, Psylocke, and Havoc? Under Sinister's direction, they are sure to become productive members of mutant society. Sure. I'm not going to be that. a problem. No. Right? Not going to be a problem at all. <laughs> no. 
When this book was announced, Matt and I wondered how the hell anything Marvel was pitching made any sense at all. But writer Zeb Wells, who got his start making funny comic book parody videos in the early 2000s, totally makes it work. This is a who's who of characters that fascinated me when I read about them in the Marvel Universe Handbook, Update 89. Were as they a kid, all there? Was Wild Child there? Uh, Wild Child, maybe not, but Nanny and Orphan Maker and Scalp Hunter, yeah, they, they were, were all yeah. there. Wild Child is a bargain basement saber-tooth clone from the pages of Alpha Flight that would have faded into complete obscurity if it wasn't for the Age of Apocalypse. Pretty much, yeah. Scalp Hunter is a stoic killer that hasn't been used effectively in almost 35 years. Nanny and Orphan Maker almost defy description. I'm not even going to try. Just look them up. <laughs> yeah. Wells takes each of these blank slates and gives them really compelling backstories as told against the backdrop of the new Krakoan paradigm. Empath, who is a member of the original Hellions when they were students yeah. of Emma Frost, they died, they were murdered by Sentinels right around the time uh, right around the time Jim Lee's X-Men number one came out. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't seen that character in 30 years. He's obviously feeling much better. They gave him <laughs> they gave him one of the text pages. And Zeb Wells' explanation for why he is the way he is was chilling. And all it was was text. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense as well, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have a character that can change anyone's mind. Why the hell wouldn't he turn into a complete fucking psychopath? Right. (laughs) Alex Havoc Summers, Marvel's favorite Reddit stepchild, is here with something clearly wrong with his mind. I am no fan of the company's constant portrayal of Havoc as incompetent or evil, but it is obvious that what's happening with him is part of the larger story, so I'm willing to go along for the ride, especially considering what we saw on the last page. Okay, hold on. Are you sure this isn't left over from when he got, uh, what was it even Axis, called? Axis, yeah. It was called Axis. Yeah, but what they what did they call what happened to the heroes? I don't, I, I don't I know care. if there was a term for it. Yeah, there was a term. Oh, inverted. Inverted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The inversion. This, and he's like the only one. He's the only one that no, they because kept doing this to. Because <laughs> there's the there's that scene in the early pages of the book where he's normal havoc, and then right. clearly something happens. Yeah, the word bubble even changes. His word balloon, his his lettering changes, his face turns totally evil. This I think is he's my being, question. Is I think he he's still being, in is he still inverted? No. I think he's being manipulated. I hope not, because that's dumb. Yes. <laughs> Add in some dubious insight from Mr. Sinister and Psylocke and a team mandate to be Krakoa's quote unquote bull in a China shop. And you get a refreshing twist on something like X-Force's mutant kill squad of recent years. Yeah, they're the Krakoan suicide squad. Sort of. It's just like, we need a team to go and fuck shit up real bad without consequences. That's the Hellions. The art by Segovia and colorist, pardon me, color artist, David Curiel is beautifully brutal. Segovia excels at dynamic action scenes, as well as the quieter moments like the standoff between Scalp Hunter and a group of Morlocks on the anniversary of the Mutant Massacre. I love that scene. That was good. It was really good, but at the same time, why did you think that something like that 
wouldn't happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, clearly there's something wrong with the idea of just throwing all the mutants together in one pot. We've been talking about it for a year. You have a group of very smart people running Krakoa, and they're like, what could be the problem with bringing a mass murderer onto the island? Don't you remember <laughs> when that guy killed, uh, name a Morlock? Caliban? Caliban. Actually, he didn't kill Caliban. They used Caliban and made him hunt down the other Morlocks, which is even I'm worse. I'm trying to think of one of the, one of the Morlocks that, that Mask? survived. Mask. Mask, sure. Yeah, you yeah. remember when that guy showed up and murdered Mask's entire family? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be best friends. This shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> oh, I guess it was Callisto. Callisto was in the scene, so we, I should have just said Callisto. Right. Anyway, Curiel's soft colors do a wonderful job setting or shifting the mood, uh, such as Havoc's unexpected heel turn. Wrestling reference? Oh, please. You Come on. Come, you, no. It's okay for I'm you not, to be proud of me. I'm not giving you props. For Come that. on, Dad. I just want you to be proud of me, Dad. Look, every time you hit one off the tee in T-ball, I'm not going to call it a home run. All right? <laughs> Whatever. Hellions, number one, makes a strong case for a seemingly dodgy concept thanks to the excellent work of a group of talented creators and a goofy cast of characters you can't help but root for. I'm giving Hellions a buy it. Yeah, it, as bad of an idea as it looks on paper and as ridiculous as it sounds that like, yeah, we're just going to bring Sabretooth and Scalp Hunter and Empath and all these terrible people to Krakoa because they deserve a shot, right? They've not done anything to deserve a shot. And I uh, appreciate that Professor X and Magneto and the Quiet Council are saying, well, look, we're not going to be like human society. We are not going to judge people on their, on their past dues. We're going to judge people by who they are. These are terrible people. They're mass murderers, okay? <laughs> They're really, really bad. And as much as this shouldn't work, it does. And it works because Zeb Wells is writing it. And Zeb Wells, I'll tell you what, I loved the way Jonathan Hickman wrote Mr. Sinister. I think Zeb Wells does it even better. Yeah, I really liked his take. There's a panel where he is coming at, he turns to Exodus and he's like, are your shoulder, it's like, are your shoulder things getting bigger? Because like, I will start a war and I will win this shoulder panel. Yeah, know? he's like, my <laughs> Sinister's, Sinister's fabulousness will not be denied. So good. <laughs> But Wells is great at this. I think his book's going to be a ton of fun. I'm giving it a buy as well. So that is a double buy it for Exo Manowar and a double buy it for Hellions. We're going to post our written reviews over at Two-Headed Nerd. One of them is already up, just saying. So delinquents and time-displaced warriors can dox us for years to come, but we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too. So hit us up on our forums or the THN Facebook fan page. And let us know. It's time to review some more of this week's comics, but before we do it, let's wet our whistles with a cocktail from the official THN bartender, Mr. Justin Fletcher, who put together the cocktail of the week. Justin, what are we sipping on this week? All right, nerds, this week we have a super accessible, probably my favorite Prohibition cocktail. Uh, out there, um, and it is aptly named the Scofflaw. Um, so the Scofflaw is a simple, uh, a simple four-ingredient cocktail, pretty accessible for anybody to make. So 
Um, we're going to start off with an ounce and a half of uh, rye whiskey. Uh, for this cocktail, I suggest something uh, at least 100 proof bonded or overproof, um, just because once you add everything else, you're going to tame that down. So if you're starting with something that's like 90 proof, it's not that it's not going to be a great cocktail still, but overproof rye is best. Okay, so ounce and a half of overproof rye. You're going to do, and a lot of these uh, recipes differ. You'll find uh, people make them a million different ways as far as the measurements go. This is my favorite way to make this cocktail, okay? So ounce and a half of overproof rye, uh, then a half ounce of just dry vermouth, one half ounce of lemon juice, one half ounce of grenadine. Uh, make your own grenadine, don't buy that shit in the store. I put all that stuff in the shaker, throw ice on it, shake it up. Uh, you're gonna go into a coupe, straight up, double strain, no ice chips. Take a uh, lemon peel, express it over the top, do a little cut, throw it on the rim, done toast. Uh, scoff law, enjoy it, try it, everybody drink one. It's really, 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 really great. All right, later. Now, with Drink in Hand, join us as we review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. For the last time, for possibly a little while. <laughs> Ludicrous Speed! Go! God Killers, number two from Aftershock. Writer-creator Mark Sable presents a terribly unsubtle message about the nature of faith and duty that falls completely flat as a squad of military action stereotypes repeat what they do and do not believe ad nauseum while firing <laughs> machine guns into rooms full of generic brown people. <laughs> On top of that, it's nearly impossible to tell the characters apart due to an almost oppressive use of shadows. It's a shame because Mon House's art is stylish and it shows a lot of promise the idea of a black ops squad of monster hunters sounds fun on paper, but God Killers is a complete misstep. I'm giving it a leave it. Wow. I regret that I had to read two issues to have something to talk about this week. <laughs> wow. Giant size X-Men Nightcrawler from Marvel. Not to sound like an angry old geezer, but back in my day, a giant size issue meant you were getting at least 60 pages of story. Unlike this paltry 40-page, quote-unquote, giant size special. Regardless of page count, this was a fun side story featuring Nightcrawler, Magic, Eyeboy, and for some reason, Lockheed. Checking out a disturbance at the old X-Mansion. My guess is artist Alan Davis loves drawing Lockheed and Alan gets what Alan wants. This felt like a very classic X-Adventure and even dealt with a very classic threat, but it was fun. Davis is a legend and his art pushes the classic feel home, but do you need to drop $5 on a one-shot that really doesn't push anything forward or even feel very Nightcrawler-centric? I would say probably not. I'm giving it a skim it. It doesn't. I thought all these giant size X-Men one uh, one shots had a through line that were connected. Perhaps they do, but there was nothing here that was Nightcrawler centric that they're certainly taking away from the book. I'll say okay. that. <laughs> Super Duck, number one from Archie. It is unfathomable to me why Archie Comics felt like one of their most obscure characters was ripe for a comeback in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> Superduck started life as a funny animal superhero parody, and then promptly, less than one year later, 
gave it up to become a Carl Barks ripoff. The superhero theme is back, along with a completely toothless, quote-unquote, mature reader's tone from writers Frank Thierry and Ian Flynn. I swear, aside from one TV-friendly bondage reference, the strongest cusses in this comic are dick and ass. Well, that is filthy, and I appreciate if you would not repeat that. Ass dick. You're acting like a real ass dick right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a 10-year-old boy's version of mature. Maybe the faux edginess set me off, but I also found it painfully unfunny. No. Ryan Jampol's art is pretty decent throughout, especially in the Golden Age throwback backup story, but it's wasted on a script that's trying way too hard to be edgy at the expense of actual humor. Superduck number one gets a very half-hearted skimmit, only sure because sounded like a leave it to me. It's very pretty. It's okay. really fun to look at. All right, fair enough. And let, maybe I was just being a, an old grumpy old man about it. I don't know. Transformers versus Terminator number one from IDW. I'm a betting man, and if I'm putting money on this one, it's the Transformers. Knockout, and the fight is over in the second round. They've got the size, they've got the reach, and the massive weight advantage, and the Terminator is at best the size of Schwarzenegger in his prime. This story starts clever enough with the Terminators going back in time to stop the Transformers, but goes off the rails from there. Apparently, this is the story of the friendly T-800 from T-2 and Sarah Connor pre-T-1 if the Transformers were involved. And it's packed full of Arnold references. Bad dialogue, huge leaps in logic to push the plot. I like stupid fun. And in the hands of a creator like Tom Scioli, this could have been just that. But, unfortunately, Transformers vs. Terminator was just stupid. I'm giving it a leave it. <laughs> Eve Stranger, number five, from IDW, Black Crown. Things come to a head as Eve is finally freed from the condition that caused her memory to be wiped out once a week. And she sets out with her team to find the people responsible for turning her into a living weapon. This has been such a fun ride from writer Dan Barnett and artist Philip Bond. I have a feeling that some plot points were truncated or resolved just a little too quickly, but Barnett wraps up the series with a sense of hope and excitement. Philip Bond is an artistic treasure. I wish we could see him more often. If this is the last Black Crown book, I'm glad the imprint's going out on a high note. Eve Stranger number five gets a huge buy it. I'm really sorry to see Black Crown go because it it was fantastic. This felt like a great, this felt like a great early early 2000s Vertigo book. It was a ton of yeah, fun. Yeah, it really did. Judge Dredd, False Witness, number one from IDW. If you find yourself British comic curious, the IDW Judge Dredd miniseries is not a bad place to start. This is another solid, slightly less British than the 2000 AD Dredd story that features a disturbing take on the rich seeking immortality at the cost of the poor. Now, what does that remind me that's happening in the news right now? (laughs) Regardless, Brandon Easton writes this issue, and it's a little light on the dread, but follows a new character in a very bad situation with super chunky art by Kei Zama. This is a lot of fun. I'm giving it a buy it. I still don't understand how the Judge Dread IDW thing works. (laughs) Who knows? But fuck it. They're good. Pick them up. Road to Empire, colon, Cree scroll war one shot from Marvel. Wow. And they wonder why this stuff is inaccessible. (laughs) (laughs) The lead up to Empire starts here with an unexpected sequel to Meet the Scrolls of All Things. Really? Yes. 
But it turns out that that underrated series set the stage for a compelling tale about an embedded family of alien soldiers caught in a seemingly endless cycle of violence. Robbie Thompson and artist Mattia de Iulis, Iulis, I-U-L-I-S. Oh, that's an I. I was going to say Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> they turn what could have been a throwaway cash grab into a poignant emotional story about family and the price of war. The recap scenes of some of Marvel's sillier cosmic stories, especially the completely bonkers Celestial Madonna saga. Oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> they can be a little bit dry, but they are rendered in stunning detail by Javier Rodriguez. The Road to Empire one-shot was an excellent start to an event that I'm sure will have an unbearable number of subpar tie-ins for us to make fun of, but this was a pleasant surprise, and I'm giving it a buy it. Just rest assured that those uh, subpar tie-ins will be at some point in the future, and maybe we'll be excited just to have them again. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for for new comics to come back, and all of our reviews are overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> Killing Red Sonia, number one from Dynamite. This new series is the follow-up to Mark Russell's Sonia run, and it follows the son of the Lord that Sonia recently murdered, and he's out for revenge. Of course, the son has no clue what a jerk dad was and his ruling style, so the story is told through a child's eyes. Artist Bruce Ingram is incredible, in a style that almost reminded me of Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes cartooning. I know it sounds insane telling a Red Sonya story from a kid's point of view, but it works really well here. And it touches on an idea that I've never seen in a Sonya title. There are, of course, consequences to Red Sonya's actions. And while she may be doing what she believes is right, others might not understand and even see her justice as murder. This is a really interesting story, and I'm giving it a massive bite. I, it was fantastic. I flipped through it, and I was really intrigued by the art. Mark Russell, man. Grab him. That is your ludicrous speed round, and grab him is the sound Arno Stark makes while playing grab ass with a supervillain. Oh. As seen in the page. <laughs> not really grab ass. As okay. seen in the pages of the Iron Man 2020 one shot from 1994. Oh, that was back when you could still play grab ass. Yeah, right. Yeah, you could okay, play grab gotcha. ass at work and nobody complained. Yes. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by at TuneInPod via Twitter. If you want to submit your own onomatopoeia of the week, keep them coming. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. No, keep them coming. You can post it to any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or better yet, call us up, make the noise, tell us where it came from, and we'll play it on the show. It's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we would normally be picking our must-read comics for next week. But as it turns out, the coronavirus doesn't just kill immu immunodeficient people. It killed New Comic Book Day, too. But we're not letting that stop us. Look, we were cursed to live in this ziggurat and talk about comics, and that's just what we're going to do. Now, Joe, bring me the magic eight ball of Marduk. Without even knowing where this is going, I'm gonna say this feels like a bad idea. 
Hush now, until such time New Comic Day returns, we'll be shaking the Magic 8-Ball of Marduk and waiting for the floating mystic eight-sided dice inside to reveal the theme of the comics we'll be reviewing next week. So let's shake this sucker up, and it looks like next week we'll be reviewing B-List Superhero Team number ones. So stay tuned to our Facebook and our Twitter to see which issues we'll be reading and you can play along. Do you think we made it clear enough that we're reviewing comics from the past? <laughs> yes. Okay. There are no new ones. We, the from, whole show has like, been about the fact that there are no new comics. But I mean, so. like, <laughs> anything's fair game, right? So if I want to review Scare Tactics number one, yeah, I can. I mean, we didn't say, like... I was the one that wanted to limit it even more. No, like, no from limits. From the 90s or from the 80s or from the whatever. I'm doing this. I'm even. I'm only coming to this limit under protest. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? It's going to get really weird if we don't get new comics soon. Now, Joe, let's peer into the cursed mirror of Cathan and see what the random trade of the week is for next week. Because these jerks don't have anything to do but catch up on their reading. I mean, really, it can be for any week because it's already out. Well, you can read this in the meantime. So <laughs> don't worry. I'm cut all that. The THN trade of the week goes to The Terrifics, Volume 1, Meet The Terrifics. It's a trade paperback from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Ivan Rice and various. It's 144 pages for $16.99. Here's your solicit. When Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, Plastic Man, and Phantom Girl find themselves bound together by a tragic accident, our team of unlikely allies must rely on one another to make their way back home. But a startling revelation on their return trip brings them face to face with a new mystery. Where in the universe is Tom Strong? This collects the Terrifics one through six. We have talked about it on the show more than once. It is a great little book that the not Terrifics enough people are reading. Is like one of the best books in this DC relaunch that no one is reading. It's so... It was the only thing worth keeping from that new age of heroes nonsense. Yeah, pretty much. Gene Luang Yang is writing it now. He takes over after, uh, after, after Jeff Lemire leaves, and it just gets better. It's such a great book. Now, remember... Your comic shop needs you. So if you want to read along with us or just help them out, hit up your LCS for the trade of the week or maybe some B-list superhero team comics. Who knows? But I guarantee your retailer is going to thank you for it. Like you, we've been locked down in quarantine with only video games, porn, and comics to keep us busy. So it only seemed fitting for another comic binge. I argued on Twitter this week that porn was America's new uh, favorite. The new American favorite pastime because baseball is canceled. Comic binge, formerly known as Catching Up on the Pile. This is a much better title for the segment that we should have gone with from the beginning. Yeah. This time, we read the first six issues of the new Doctor Doom series from Marvel, available in trade today at your local comic shop. Hint, hint. They need your help. <laughs> You're going to hear that a lot from us in the coming weeks. Yep, it's true. Here's a little bit about the creative team. It's written by Christopher Cantwell, creator of such shows as Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, he is not, in fact, the famous crying Nazi that shares his name. 
And if you just Google Christopher Cantwell, that's the first thing that comes up. I was like, Christopher Cantwell, what did this guy do again? And he said, arrested in January 22nd, uh, famous white supremacist. And I was like, okay, whoa, wait. <laughs> hey, hold on. Turns out it's a different Christopher Cantwell. <laughs> uh, he also directed the 2019 film The Parts You Lose. He's written other comics like She Could Fly and the recent Mask miniseries at Dark Horse. The artist is Salvador LaRocca, who has had a long and storied career uh, getting his start on things like Excalibur in the yes. X office. Uh, he did a run on Fantastic Four in the, in the late 90s. He did a run, a long run on Invincible Iron Man when it was written by Matt Fraction. He's been all over the dang place. Now, just a word on Salvador LaRocca, because like there was a point in time where I could safely say that Salvador LaRocca was easily one of my favorite artists. And it was his time when he was on X-Men. And it was during his run on Uncanny X-Men that I just could not get enough of the guy. He went through a phase after that where he sort of got not like Greg Land photorealistic, but he started doing some photorealistic stuff. He was definitely stuff. doing photo referencing. Like yes. And when he drew Iron Man, Tony Stark looked like Sawyer from Lost. And I just didn't love it. I, you know, and he kind of lost me for a little bit there. I would argue that with this new work that he's doing on Doctor Doom, <laughs> Salvador La Roca is back. He also drew Extermay X-Men. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, Extermay X-Men, <laughs> also known as Extreme X-Men, yeah, which is not great. That book was bad. But I would argue that LaRocca is back and, like, working at a very, very high level here. His art is gorgeous in this book. Looks beautiful. I agree. It also helps that the majority of the characters are wearing full face masks. <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to say. When you can take a character like Doctor Doom or Kang the Conqueror, who are two major characters here that wear masks and make them emote the way that he yeah. is doing. Yes, I that, was really impressed. That is true talent. So what's what's the plot? So basically the plot is Doom is being very vocal about the dangers of a man-made black hole that's being built on the moon that's going to change the, the energy grid. Yada, yada, clean energy, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it a ton Turns of Turns out the project is sabotaged. It's part of a setup to make Doom look guilty but we don't know who is behind the sabotage the world of course blames doom which leaves him with a choice of running or turning himself in well he knows he's innocent so he turns himself in does not go well <laughs> one of the best parts of the book and this is one of the things that cantwell does so great with this like doom is such a, he's one of my favorite villains probably my favorite marvel villain but he's such a character of like confidence and bluster that he can be written very one note and he can get yeah. really boring very fast. And Cantwell is smart enough to look at his personality and see like how would this egotistical maniac probably carry himself in this situation. And when he decides to turn himself in, he's like, I haven't done anything wrong. Screw this. I'm turning myself in because I'm smart enough that I'll get out of it. And when he does, Reed Richards is not there. Instead, they send the new Herbie to oversee his arrest. And he's and Doom is just like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's like Reed couldn't even have the time to be here. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. 
it's such a perfectly human moment for the character in this very serious, other, like otherwise extremely serious issue. <laughs> yeah. Cantwell is so good at this stuff. Yeah. This book is full of character moments like that, especially for Doom, where, you know, we're reading a book about a character that is usually portrayed, like you said, as one note. Right. He's a megalo. He's a megalomaniac, right? Megalomaniacal. Yeah. He's a megalomaniacal maniac. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, he's an egomaniac as well, and he can't. Well, that's covered in the megalo. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he can't. He can't fathom a world where he is not the smartest, most important person in any situation. Right. And so when Cantwell had him turn himself in I was a little bit taken aback because I think a lesser writer would have put doom in fight mode he would have automatically said how dare you you know how dare you treat doom this way and then it would right. have been a whole thing that we've read come at me times. bro mode right and, and not and instead, in that, those words of course but <laughs> it's this swerve where doom is like obviously I did not do something so stupid right and you will see that I am right, you know, and he and he does not fight. And I loved that. I loved that. And it really set the tone of the book for me. But it's also only then that we find out that this is actually a buddy comic about Doom and his new friend Kang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where Kang shows up, a very confused Kang shows up and tells him, like, no, 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 this can't happen because you're going to save the world and you're going to create a utopia. And I've got to make sure that happens. And Doom was like, why the hell would you want that to happen? And he's like, oh, because I'm going to kill you and take over the world afterwards. <laughs> and from there, like, we go into this adventure with Doom and Kang. And you have Doom, who understands that Kang is a time traveler. Kang is a very smart guy. Kang knows things that Doom does not know. But he also can tell something is going on with Kang. Kang, Kang is off. Is not yeah. normal. Right. And there's a there's a scene later on in the in the in one of the final issues where uh, Kang gets zapped and he blinks out for a second and when he comes back he's like he's got a, he's like patting his chest and he's like hey what the hell did I just get killed? <laughs> was like, that was so awesome. See, and that's just it. Like Cantwell, you have a character like Kang the Conqueror and Doom and Doctor Doom, who are two of the least, I would argue, human villains in the Marvel Universe. And Cantwell is such a great writer that he has found ways to inject, like, humor and humanity. Like, in issue six, and this is not a spoiler, but when Doom and Kang are basically on the road <laughs> together, <laughs> like, yeah. in this funny pic, it is wonderful. <laughs> I loved it. This it is such an unusual Dr. Doom story, but at the same time, it rings so true to me. Right. The way he speaks and acts. Well, and we get to see Doom do things that he wouldn't normally do. Like, he oh, goes like we spent three issues with Dr. Doom running around in a hoodie with his mask yeah. on. <laughs> he had no armor and the Taskmaster is after him and shit. And yeah. like it, it goes to a place that I've never seen that character go to. But at the same time, it's not like I was like, no way that wouldn't happen. Of course, Dr. Doom is a fucking badass in or out of the armor. That's exactly of what I thought. Of course he is. He's yeah. brilliant. And I love the way that Cantwell is just exploring this character, is challenging our notions of Dr. Doom, 
but not ever taking you completely out of it or or putting Dr. Doom in a situation where we would be like, there's no way his character would do that. There's moments where we're like, wait a minute, what? And then two pages later, we're like, okay, yeah, that is definitely my doom. Yeah, and every time right. he's just about to be a nice guy or a good guy or says something you can relate to, he murders someone. <laughs> right, you know, like he and, he and Kang are riding the rails, shooting the yeah. shit. And all of a sudden, this hobo breaks in and he's like, uh, hey guys, can I share yeah, your like, car? And Doom launches him into space. Yeah, he's like, hey there, fellas, I'm so and so, and I'm like, wow! <laughs> and just shoot him away. <laughs> uh, but no. then there is, a, there is something happens. Uh, I won't say what, but there something happens in the final confrontation uh, from the, from this batch of issues, and Doom shifts into that Doom, that Doom you know that like none shall stand against me. I am going back to take my homeland in a wash of blood, and See, I would argue that keeps happening every time. We like Cantwell takes him just slightly out of that. There's something that immediately happens that reminds you, oh, yeah, this is still Dr. Doom. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I will he, say, like, uh, going beyond that, the character, like, Victorious, who which I don't even give a shit about, I don't know anything about, and barely paid attention to, I love the way that he is writing that character, who's like, she is his second-in-command. And when he's taken out of Latveria, there's a power vacuum, and Simcaria is right next door, and they show up, and they're like, hey, couldn't help but notice Dr. Doom's not around, and she's just like, I fucking dare you to come here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, she's and, out of her mind, and she's like even more Dr. Doom than Dr. Doom because she's so terrified. <laughs> you know? I, I don't want to spoil any more appearances, but one of my favorite things about the series so far is that it has featured a great guest cast of oh, characters yeah. that you would not necessarily expect in a series about Dr. Doom. Abs and done really fun things with them as well. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about Taskmaster. Everybody loves Taskmaster. Sure. But there are two villains that show up in the last two issues <laughs> that I was fucking thrilled to see totally and you're like oh my god he's a badass and you're like oh i know yeah, right. I was like, <laughs> that is the coolest that that character has ever been yeah. even though he got his butt kicked by dr yeah. doom well he was that cool for a panel and a half right I, <laughs> yeah this book is great and it's not and it's not like well it's dr doom so of course thor shows up to try to stop him in, in issue all. two no not at all it's Everybody's got their own shit going on. Doom is off the radar. And so these off-kilter, off-the-radar characters are, are are coming across his path. It's great. I, I think the best part of this book, though, is just the fact that Cantwell has taken a character like Doctor Doom and a character like Kang the Conqueror and made them, like, genuinely human. Genuinely fun to read. As much as I love Kang and I love Doctor Doom, I can't say there was ever a time where I read one of their stories and we're like, you know what I loved about that? That funny part with Kang. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, or that right. part where Dr. Doom opened up and like showed a little emotion. You know, like I've never been able to say that. And Cantwell has really flipped both these characters and just done a fantastic job. I can't wait to see where this series goes. I love it. Me too. I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a great read. So yeah, it's a great time to get caught up on this series. Lord knows you've got plenty of time to do it. It's a fun, breezy, 
read about a villain that everybody loves done in such a fun and unexpected way that it's not going to be what you what you're expecting. Absolutely not. And you go to your comic shop right now. Doctor Doom uh, trade number one collects one through six. It's called Pottersville. It is absolutely worth your read and your money. And again, your comic shop will thank you for the support. I'm sure that you can even get the single issues if that's your jam. Yeah. The time has come for them to meet their master. Little do they dream that soon they shall be serving Doctor Doom. And Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 566, and just when we thought our curse had been lifted, we go and come up with a new and creative way to keep making this goddamn show. <laughs> Joe, give these nerds a new question of the week to ponder before America returns to business as usual next week. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, I'm keeping this. I'm keeping the same question we used last week. It was a question from Matt about how you guys are dealing with the comics quarantine. How are you keeping up with your comics habit during this trying time? Uh, we know that going to the local comic shop is difficult for a lot of you. Did yours close down? Are you catching up on anything like we did this week? Uh, are you switching to digital? We want to know how you are handling your comics quarantine experience. Hashtag comics quarantine. And we did have another THN poll this week. The poll basically asked, how are you getting your fix? 44.4% of you said back issues, which kind of shocked me. 40.7% of you said trade paperbacks. And only 14.8% of you said you're going full digital. In fact, some of you were violently against going digital <laughs> and for the record stately lord fungus said he will be using blood magic to get his comics so you know hey <laughs> whatever you gotta do <laughs> whatever works <laughs> as we have alluded to in the last week or two we're going to be moving your answers to a weekly answer of the week post on twoheadednerd.com it's going to include your written responses if, if we receive any as well as your recordings that you send to us much in the same way you used to do during THN Cover to Cover. Back when America was still America. Remember that? Yes. Remember that? When we could still lick <laughs> each other's faces? Ugh, <laughs> man. Uh, this is, of course, while we reevaluate the future of that show in light of the post-pandemic nightmare our lives have become. But that means we need your participation now more than ever. We did get some responses online. Uh, I need those voicemails, baby. Send me some voicemails. Send me some MP3s. Call 402-819-4894. Shoot an MP3 of your answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. We pledge to make you internet famous. If you're new to this show and you cannot wait to go to Easter Mass now that the president has given the all clear that will kill millions rather than listen to any more, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough the good news is. You can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Allison York. That, are you kidding? We have two female donors now? This is a thing? <laughs> it's a thing, baby. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to all of our friends in the comic book creative and retail community. It's a fun diversion for most of us. But it's a livelihood for you guys. Word to all of you and thank you for the years of entertainment you have and hopefully will continue to provide. And please don't kill yourselves. 
Yes. Here's hoping a solution for keeping this industry we all love alive is found right quick. And as we've said over and over again through the course of this show and every show to come, if you can afford to help out your local comic retailer, however they are able to provide service to you, please do it. Way to steal my sign-off, but until next time, true believers, remember, we have to support our local comic book stores any way we can. If they are open, go buy back issues, go buy trades, go buy gift cards, go slip $1,000 bills into their mail slot, and don't even tell them it was you. You'll just, like, your heart will grow ten times that day, just like the fucking Grinch or whatever. This is the Two-Headed Nerd saying it is up to us to maintain not only this business, but the retail side too. And signing off. I mean, it should be stressed that you should not go if they are not allowing you to come inside. Break a window, go inside, and <laughs> call help ahead, them. place an order, <laughs> pick it up safely, do not put yourself in danger. And if they get in the way, threaten their person. Do you understand? Cough in their me? face. <laughs> Cough in their faces. They'll back right off. 